0: Let me invite you this morning to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series here this morning called New Life. We began this series a couple of weeks ago. If you're just walking in and you're just picking up with us, we've been walking verse by verse through uh, the book of Ephesians. Last week, we had a a special guest speaker, Jordan Cruz, who is one of our uh, missionaries and partners in ministry. He serves in Beirut, Lebanon, and so... Uh, we had the amazing opportunity just to hear from him last week. But we're going to pick up right where he left off last week as we continue in this study together. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about uh, as, as you're turning there and you're, you're finding your place uh, there in Ephesians 1 is that as we turn through the pages of Scripture, we begin to see just over and over. It's not hard to find the stories of God's greatness, the stories of God's power uh, all throughout the scripture as we begin in Genesis if we were to turn there we would see just the power of God even in the creation story that really that first story that we have in scripture that begins to teach us about how God created the heavens and the earth and and all that is within it he, how he created uh, mankind and, and and we just as we contemplate that truth we, we begin to recognize the power of God uh, and and who he is and how the power of God is is very amazing to us and it's very relevant to us as, as his people. We read in the Old Testament from Genesis going on into Exodus. We see the amazing stories that are being shared with us there in God's word about how God delivered his people from Egypt. And and we just continue to march on through the Old Testament, just seeing one story after another of God's amazing power. By the time we get to the New Testament, we see the arrival of Jesus Christ. And, and, and in all the stories that we have, all these eyewitness accounts uh, that, that testify to Jesus and his ministry on this earth, we begin to see once again the power of God just in such uh, amazing ways. We see Jesus performing miracles and healing people. And it's just really incredible to think about just how powerful God really is. uh, And in our lives as individual followers of Christ Jesus, not only do we have these stories, but we have our own circumstances. We have our own stories where God has worked in our life, how he has moved in our life. If if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are here today and you've been saved by the grace uh, and and power of Christ Jesus in your life, uh, through faith in Jesus, uh, if you are a child of God here this morning, you have seen God work miracles in your life. You've seen the power of God in your life to transform you, from who you used to be to who you are today as a follower of Jesus. And so uh, we have those individual accounts of how God has moved. I love the testimony today that we had uh, on, on the video testimony of Gabe and Callie sharing their story of how God has moved in their life, even though in times of their life they have found themselves waiting and, and just wondering about where God would carry them, when God finally gives them direction, knowing that this is all part of God's sovereign plan and how God is moving in their life and they just see God moving in remarkable ways. By the way, we have Gabe and Callie with us here this morning on the front row and so welcome home to you two guys here. We're glad to, to have you. Uh, we had them over last night for hamburgers and hot dogs and uh, it was a good time, But. Uh, It's good to see y'all here again uh, this morning with us. But I love their story because it's filled with just the story of how God works and the power of God in a person's life and in a couple's life. And so we have these stories. We also have the stories of how God moves in the life of a church. Year after year after year, we as a church have seen the power of God. As as he has called us to take steps of faith sometimes in our ministry, we have seen him come through by his faithfulness. He is, he is uh, always one who responds and, and just blows us away with just how he continues to, to build his church and how he continues to just do incredible things in the lives of so many that are a part of our ministry. And so collectively also, we see the power of God and how God works in such incredible ways. This morning, I wanna to talk to you about the immeasurable power of God. You've probably already figured out that that's what we're going to be talking about today, but we're going to talk about the immeasurable power of God. And, you know, as as I was thinking about this, I was thinking that there's probably nothing that contributes to building of our faith in God, in Christ, than seeing his power in our life. You know, we all know as believers and followers of Christ Jesus that if we have been saved, that Faith is an element of our spirituality. Faith faith is a is an element of our Christianity. We know that we are saved by grace through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. And so believing in Christ Jesus becomes a part of who we are. It's a part of our identity. We are believers in Christ. We are followers in Christ. We are disciples of Jesus. But but believing is, is something that is a part of who we are. It's a part of our identity. But every time we have the opportunity to see God move in just really miraculous ways in our life, it builds upon our faith. It helps us to reestablish the faith that we have in Christ Jesus, and and we become stronger as a result of seeing God move in extraordinary ways. And so as I look at this text, I, I think about how Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians, he's writing to this this local gathering of believers in Ephesus, a very influential city of its day, and he's writing to them, and it it becomes very obvious that he wants them to know uh, uh, really who God is. He wants them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt just how powerful God is, how awesome God is, how relevant God is, and so everything he has said, even up to this point, He's pointing to this reality that he wants them to know God more. This is what's on his heart. This is what he is is writing to reveal to them. You know, last week we were listening to uh, Jordan as he preached from this this chapter of scripture and he began to share with us that Paul had entered into a time of prayer and thankfulness For the Ephesian church, he's writing to them. And as he's gone through this time of of recognizing our identity in Christ Jesus, he makes a shift. And as he makes that shift, he begins to to talk about the reality that he is so thankful for this church. And he also lets them know that he is praying without ceasing for them. And so last week, we were talking about how uh, Paul, as he's praying for them... He's praying that the eyes of their heart would be open to the hope that is within them. He is praying that they would get a glimpse uh, more of God's glory. That he would, They would get a glimpse more of who God is and how God is working in their life. And he's praying this for them because he knows that, that this is good for them to reflect on this. There's no doubt that they understand the power of God in their life. But as he's communicating this, as he's continuing to teach them through this letter, he is reminding them that uh, that he he cares deeply for them and he wants them to see how God's power works in such remarkable parts of his life. Here's what he says, and this is the passage from last week, but starting with verse 16, he writes, he says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. And so we know that Paul is praying for them. He says, that, uh, remembering you in my prayers, "'That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom "'and of revelation in the knowledge of him, "'having the eyes of your heart enlightened, "'that you may know what is the hope "'to which he has called you, "'what are the riches of his glorious inheritance "'in the saints.'" And so he says, I am remembering you in my prayers. He's praying for them. He is hoping that they may know him more, that they may know the hope that is within him, the hope of their their glory and and what uh, what they have been called to. And so Paul is praying for them. And in the text that we're looking at today, we see something really uh, uh, incredible. As Paul continues, he continues to share with us those things in which he is praying for them. And so that's what I want us to look at here this morning as we look at verses 19 through 23, the text that we're, we're gonna be looking at here uh, for just a moment. So he says, remembering you in my prayers that you may know the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glory, glorious inheritance in the saints. And then he says this in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us Who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, there's three things that Paul points out to illustrate the power of God in their life. Now, we notice here as Paul starts off, he says he's praying that they would understand, that they would get a glimpse, that they would see with the eyes of their heart the immeasurable power of God, the immeasurable power or the greatness of his Power And so Paul is going to begin to, in this text, really zero in on the power of God in their life. And I believe that this is hugely important for us because as we go through life, we need to be reminded as well. Most of us here, we know a lot of truth about who God is, and we know the characteristics of Christ in our life. And and, and we we get what it means to be a, a follower of Christ Jesus. And typically when somebody would say, hey, you know, just lean strongly on when you feel weak, lean on the the power of God, and we would say, yeah, I know, God is all-powerful, and we we would communicate things like that, but at the same time, as believers who go through many difficult situations in our life, we find ourselves in circumstances maybe we've never been in before, it is real easy to forget the promises of God, it's real easy to forget the power of God, and even though we have said things, we may even have this on our refrigerator, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we may have on there that all things are possible with God. You know, nothing is impossible with God. We, we have those, those passages of scripture sort of ingrained in our heads, but the reality is when we go through those times that are difficult, those circumstances that are unknown, those periods, as, as Gabe and Callie have testified this morning, of waiting, it is real easy if we're not careful to forget the power of God in our life. And I believe that the reason that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church is to remind them that we never need to forget how God may wanna work in our life to reveal his power in our life. And so he he lays out several things here to remind them of. The first thing that Paul points out is how we see the power of God through the resurrection of Christ Jesus, through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Notice in verse 20, this is what he says. He says, and he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so he's talking about the reality of raising Christ from the grave, okay? We all know as well as they would have known of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As believers, as followers of Christ, they would have heard the gospel message, they would have known that, that Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, he walked a sinless life, he lived his life in perfection, that he would be able to go to the cross and it would be on the cross that he would die and he died there spilling his blood, the shedding of his blood, which was the atonement for our sin. They would have known this. They would have understood this just like you and I would have known this. And so they knew clearly about the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And so Paul, what he does is, is he's writing to them he causes them to remember the resurrection. He says, you want to know of the greatness of God. You want to understand the power of God. If you really want to contemplate just how powerful God is, as you live your life with these situations that unfold before you, remember the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, he's praying that their eyes would be open to the power of God. And then he points immediately, first of all, to the reality of that God raised him from the dead. You know, I I look at that and I think there's probably nothing that illustrates better the power of God than the resurrection of Christ as it relates to who we are as someone who's living our life, a new life in Christ Jesus. You know, it's really remarkable. He, He points to this, Paul says, remember he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And they would have certainly understood uh, just how torturous, just how horrible the crucifixion would have been. They would have known a lot about the crucifixion because it was something that was that was going on during their time, during their life. I mean, they they would have they would have completely understood just how horrible a death Christ would have have gone through. And this is important that they understand that because I think that's why Paul doesn't really dig into the. The resurrection here. He just simply says that God raised him from the dead. They would have contemplated those words though and would have fully understood the power of God as he communicates this truth. You see, one of the things that we know is that during Jesus's day, the Roman uh, crucifixion or the Roman death sentence was, uh, their, their choice of, cru- uh, of, of death sentence was the crucifixion. They, that was what they, if somebody was sentenced to death, especially their enemies, especially someone who was a hardened criminal, uh, their their best mode of, of, of death to someone who was a criminal in those ways was crucifixion. In fact, most scholars believe that by the time Jesus himself was crucified, that over 40,000 criminals had been crucified on the cross. And see, when we begin to understand just how horrible a death, the crucifixion was, is when we really begin to understand how powerful God really is. You see, the crucifixion was one in which they would take three large nails and they would drive two of those nails into the hand of their victim, of the one whom they were sentencing to death. And they would usually do this on a piece of wood or maybe a tree, but they would, they would, they would nail this person to a piece of wood. And then they would take the third nail and they would drive it through the feet of this individual and they would raise them high to where that individual is now hanging on this cross by three nails. And as they hung on the cross, you can imagine the excruciating pain that came with this sort of torture and this sort of torment. The crucifixion was designed to shame the individual and to torture the individual. But you see, one of the things that you may not know about the crucifixion was that it wasn't a fast death. In fact, some scholars believe that it might take up to four days for an individual to die by crucifixion. And so it was meant to be something that was long and agonizing. And what would happen as the individual hung on the cross is that he would begin to fatigue. He would begin to get tired. And as he got tired, he would relax his body. And as he relaxed his body, he would begin to slide down The tree until he was hanging literally by his hands. The only problem with that is it was really difficult for that individual to breathe because there was so much pressure on his lungs. So then they would raise themselves up by their feet. You can imagine the excruciating pain that came with raising the person back up. They did that out of necessity that they could breathe. And then as the body began to fill with fluids, it began to fill up with water and and blood, the body began to break down. They would go in this process of just going up and down, up and down until finally they came to a place where they died this horrible death. Here's what we need to understand. There was one thing that was certain about the crucifixion, and that is that nobody survived it. You see, one of the things that was always true about a Roman crucifixion was that it was always certainly death for that individual. It was designed to kill the individual. And make no mistake, Jesus died on the cross. Now Paul didn't have to explain that to those that were living in Ephesus because they understood it. I can only imagine that they had seen it happen in their lifetime. He just simply writes as he prays for them saying that I hope my prayer for you is that you would understand the immeasurable power of God in your life. I would pray that you would get a glimpse of just how powerful God is. And he immediately points to the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that they would have believed that he certainly died on that cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he proclaims to them Don't you remember that God raised him from the dead, thus doing that which is impossible? How does that encourage us? As we think through the crucifixion, as we remember the resurrection, it encourages us because as we go through things and times in our life where we struggle, when we deal with the circumstances that we face, when we deal with the uncertainty of life and the, the unknowing of the future, It becomes very important that we remember the power of God in our life, not only to save, not only to sanctify, but also to carry us through this thing called life. Paul points to the resurrection. He says, man, this is something you need to remember. Next time you feel weak and you wanna remember the power of God in your life, think back to the resurrection You see, what's really amazing about the resurrection, as Paul points to it as the evidence of of God's ability in our life, is that we begin to realize also that God raised Jesus from the dead, not only that he would have life, but that we would have life. That's why we celebrate our salvation, because we are no longer who we used to be, but instead we have new life in Christ Jesus, amen? We have new life in Christ Jesus. And so we know this by reading the scriptures. We see in 1 Peter 1, 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But here's what I want to point out to you as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 says, and God raised the Lord and will will also raise us up by what? His power. The power of God in our life. The power of God which is evident in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. But secondly, Paul reminds them that there's power in the name. I love this. I love the fact that we actually sang about this as well this morning, but I love the fact that Paul just kind of points to the name of Jesus. He says, you, you know, when you're when you're struggling through life, when you're when you're trying to make it on your own, when you're going through these times of your life where where you really need uh, a, a savior, you really need someone who is all powerful. He says, just remember the name. I love this. He 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 points out to us in in, in um in verse twenty one. He says this. He says, for above all, and I love that above everything, he says above all. Rule and authority and power and dominion. He even mentions the word power again right here. He says, above everything that you may know as powerful in this world... There is one who stands above all of that. And, and we know that Paul, here he's writing, revealing to us the, the power of Christ in our life. And so he says, above all of this, above everything that we may deem as powerful in our life, every power and dominion, and above, he says this, above every name that is ever named, there's another name that is greater than that name. And that name is what? Jesus. The name of Jesus. And so Paul is referencing the name of Jesus as Paul prays for them. He says, I pray that you would recognize the immeasurable power of God in the name of Christ Jesus. This is powerful as well. Paul is reminding them when you feel powerless, just remember the name that is above all other names. When you feel weak, just remember the name that is above every other name. Scripture tells us that it is the name of Uh, That the name of Jesus is so powerful that even the demons, they shudder and fear the name of Jesus. This is what scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us also that there will be a day when every man, woman, and child will recognize the name of Christ Jesus. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he writes these words he says, therefore God has highly exhausted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul says here, remember the power that is found even in the name of Jesus. So you can see how Paul is really challenging people to consider this. So often in our life, we go through, working through the issues that we face so often in our own strength, not remembering that there is one who cares deeply for us, knowing that there is one who is walking with us. And so here, Paul is reminding these believers to remember the power of God in their life. And then finally, Here's what Paul says to them. He says, remember the power in the position. I love this. Remember the power of the position. He says here in verse 22, and he, meaning the Father, has put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Paul prays that the church would recognize the authority of Christ over all things. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a, a pastor, and uh, this pastor came up, and he, he was just trying to be encouraging, but he says, man, you guys are killing it at Cross Point Church. And the first thing that just came out of my, my mouth, I wasn't trying to discourage him or anything, but I just said, not us, but him. Because it's not about what we're doing, it's about what Christ is doing. Christ is the head of the church, Christ is the one who is moving and leading and guiding us and, 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 and he is the one who, who should be glorified in everything that, that happens in the life of the church. Paul says he has put all things under his feet. It is Christ who has authority over everything and over all people and all things, as Paul says here, he says he put all things under his feet and so Jesus is not only powerful in name, Not only through the resurrection, but he's powerful in the position that he has as the head of the church. And so we look at this and we see that Paul is trying to teach us some incredible things. We have seen amazing things happen in the life of the church over the last 13 years. We're approaching 13 years as a church, and that's still really baby years for a church these days. But, but the reality is we have just had an opportunity and a privilege to see God move in ways that we could only imagine. Last week, we heard from uh, one of our mission partners who was from Beirut, Lebanon, who was here to share with us the things that God is doing in Lebanon, in the Middle East, in this country where uh, they desperately need to hear the truth, the gospel of Christ Jesus. And so he was sharing with us, but he's not just sharing what he's doing, he's sharing what God is doing in the lives of so many as they continue to see God move in the hearts of people that are living in that area and how lives are being changed by the power and the presence of God. And it's important for us to remember that it's important for us to recognize that because we are participating now with a, a greater work than what exists right here in our own community we are we are sending out missionaries to the ends of the earth we have Partnerships in the Dominican Republic, we have partnerships in Honduras and Africa and different places. And so we are participating, but we have the privilege and the honor of seeing the power of God work in places that maybe some of us will never have an opportunity to visit. And that's hugely important. And so it's important that we reach the ends of the earth, but also we've had this amazing opportunity to reach out, even in our own Judea and our Samaria. You know, we've been working for several years with uh, the North American Mission Board, partnering with them to plant churches in Boston. Now that Gabe and Callie have gone out, partnering with this family to to reach Savannah in whatever way that that means, just reach Savannah and, and see lives transform by the power and the grace of God in their life, and that's our prayer for you guys as missionaries to a, another city is that we would we would see God move in such a way that we could only testify that that is the power of God working in that city. And so we 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 are participating in that way. But I I, I want to end the service today uh, in a, in a little bit different way uh, by inviting with me up on the stage Ben Edson, if he's Around he was, oh, there he is over there. He moved on me this morning. So I'm going to invite Ben to come on up here. You know, we've been talking a lot uh, over the last couple of uh, months and, and over about a year now about the work that we're doing in Madison. We've had a lot of people coming from Madison, Florida, participating with us here at Cross Point Church, and it's been amazing to see what God is doing. In, in Madison, Florida, as we, as, we, as we have seen God doing an incredible work there. Uh, this, uh, this morning, I, I'm happy to report that we have uh, three life groups down there with a fourth that is starting very soon. Is that correct, Ben? Yes. Or that, okay. Yep. And four life groups. I didn't know if things changed since the last time we talked, but uh, but the reality is God is moving in an incredible way. and And one of the things that you need to know about Ben is that Ben has been a part of our ministry for a long time. One of the, one of the first to be here with us, right? Uh, for how long ago was it that you, 2007, Seven, 2007. 2007. Yeah. And so about a year after we started Crosspoint Church, he came on as staff. He served here for a while as our connection pastor. Uh, he was the first guy that we sent out. We sent him out to plant a church, a new work. Uh, just over the line into Kentucky from Cincinnati, Ohio. And so he was there working. That church ended up merging with a larger church and Ben made his way back home to to Valdosta, Georgia, where he's been here for a couple of years now and just kind of hiding in the shadows. And so what we did was we brought him out of the shadows. We knocked the dust off of him and uh, we're gonna put him back to work. And uh, here's what I wanna just say to you this morning, that next Sunday... Next Sunday, we are gonna launch a Sunday morning service in Madison, Florida. Amen? God's doing some incredible things. And so, I'm very excited about what God's doing, and so I've asked Ben to come up here and share with me. And uh, if you know anything about Ben, you know he, he, he can be somewhat Highly of, intelligent. Highly intelligent, I was gonna oh, say something else. But anyway, uh, but, but Ben can be quite the comedian, I think is what I was gonna say. Um, but, uh, but, Ben, it's a pleasure to have you up here. Ben is going to be serving with Jeff Brewer and, uh, and several other key leaders and, and some super volunteers and an amazing uh, launch team that has been put together to go out and to plant this new work. And so I just wanted to bring him up on the stage this morning so that you would have an opportunity to see the guy who's going to be down in Madison and leading that campus with us down there teaching and preaching the gospel and, uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited. But Ben, tell us a little bit about Madison. What, what is Madison like? For those of us who have never been there, uh, tell us a little bit about
1: it. Okay, well, it's about 45 minutes away, just over the Florida border. Um, Madison County has about 20,000 people. So it's a small little town, but it's a cool little town. Um, it looks a lot like Valdosta. It's got a lot of mixed, mixed up stuff in it. So it's not, you know, your typical small town. It looks a lot like a little small Valdosta. Um, But I would say though, we usually think about when you do missions or something, you go to a big city and uh, we don't need to forget about the small towns. Even though uh, Madison is a small town, I would say the need is just as great as it is in Valdosta or Savannah or anywhere else. There's a lot of uh, darkness there. And there's a lot of good things happening but there's a lot that's going on there and they need a new church and they need the gospel presence, they need a gospel people that are preaching the gospel and living their life there. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I had a friend one time that said that uh, that he was gonna try to plant a church in his area, his state, I guess it was. Uh, everywhere there was a dollar general. Is there a dollar general there in Madison? It's about Clark? 20 of them. <laughs> about 20 dollar $20 generals. Well, you know, I think it's, it's important that we understand also, and this is the second question I wanna ask you. Why is it important that we, as a, as a campus here in Valdosta, as a church, a faith family here, why is it important that we Go to a place like Madison, Florida. Why is it important that we become a part of of a work
1: that's in Madison, Florida? Um, Well, you mentioned this earlier in the first service, David, but it's really important for us here in Velocity to remember just because we have a building now and things are going well for us doesn't mean that the work is is done, it's Mm -hmm. finished. It's not time to get into maintenance mode and just try to sustain what we have. We need to always be thinking about who else is out there that we need to reach, and Madison is right in our backyard. And uh, there's a lot of people there to reach, a lot of people. So it's just important for Crosspoint now in 2018 and 10 years from now and 20 years from now to always be thinking about what is God doing, what does he want us to be doing next, keeping our eyes on the horizon, not letting the passion die down or the dream die down about reaching people in South Georgia, and North Florida, with the gospel.
0: And y'all have already seen some success in, in connecting with other individuals, right? I mean, it seems like every day somebody's walking in Uh, into the storefront or there where everybody's gathering and and introducing themselves, right? Tell us a little bit about how y'all are engaging in in the city of of Madison there, the town.
1: Well, my favorite thing was when we dropped a bunch of tracks with a helicopter. Oh, I'm kidding.
0: Yeah, I didn't know about that that. one.
1: I'm sorry, that was bad. (laughs) Humor
0: humor doesn't really work in places like Dominican Republic, and apparently your humor doesn't work here either, so... So let's just keep
1: it serious. It's just bad. Let's just keep it serious. Uh, There are are no (laughs) tricks and gimmicks. I mean, being a church is just pretty simple. Hmm. Um, We have 75 people there who want to see God do something new, who are praying for change and transformation, revival in their own lives Hmm. and their own families and their own marriages, their own kids' lives. And that's about it. There's no secret, super big strategy. It's basically let God change me and then let him use me to change the people around me. That's right,
0: amen. And that should be our role everywhere, amen? That's right. You know, one of the things I, I love yeah. is that when when people are real, when people are authentic and they, they, they are transparent as well, uh, it, it becomes really something that's very contagious. You know, uh, a, a lot of people are searching for that authenticity and that we... That we can have in Christ Jesus, and I think that's very important. But engaging in one another and and, and living, uh, doing life with one another becomes huge, I think, in the life of the church. Let me ask you this: as sort of a closing question before we move to that time of prayer today. But how 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 might we, as a church here in Valdosta, partner with our campus in Madison, Florida? What is what are some ways that we can partner and be a part of? what's happening in Madison, even though we may not be the one who's driving over there every Sunday,
1: how might we partner? Well, first of all, let me say thank you so much. Uh, In order to have a Sunday service, you have to have a place to meet Mm -hmm. and equipment in that place and just all the little things that you need in a building to receive guests that come in from the community. And because of Valosta's support, we've been able to rent a storefront, fix it up, make it look good, and now we're starting a week from this Sunday. So thank you guys so much for your generosity and just giving Amen. faithfully all the time.
0: Amen. Well, that can't be all, just uh, just, just doing that. What, what are some practical ways that we can give besides giving or well, that we can help?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a few ministry teams, just like we do here, children's ministry, welcome ministry, all those things going on. So, you know, we want the people at the Madison campus to be reaching the people in Madison. I don't mm-hmm. expect people to be driving down from Valdosta all the time. But as we get started, maybe you might want to make a trip down there sometime yeah. between now and Christmas and just say, How can I, how can I help? Uh, you need help in this area, that area, and our ministry team leaders can get you plugged in. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't need too many people showing up. Um, don't all show up at once. That'd be a bit overwhelming. Well, if everybody
0: shows up at once, just standing around the everybody would be right. here. Yeah, that's yeah, I guess, right. I guess everybody's well, that's okay. today. If yeah. we know where they are, that'll be fine. So.
1: But you can do that. Also, I would say probably the most important, Dave, is just to remember us. Hmm. Uh, we are Crosspoint Church. We're just going to be in Madison. Um, remember us. Pray for us pray as, for often you. As, you think, as often as you think about your friends and family here, your faith family here. Remember that we're down there, just 45 minutes away, asking God to do something amazing in that community. So just pray for us and remember us.
0: I think prayer is probably one of the greatest things we can do and one of really one of the easiest things we can do if we would just be faithful to do it, right? Uh, it's often said that prayer is the tip of the spear of everything that we do. It's the it's the tip of the spear to, to the missional thrust that we have uh, not only in our Jerusalem but our Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so we as a church need to be a praying church. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters who are in Madison and... And, and beginning this new work. And it's just so important that we be praying, that we be praying for Gabe and Callie and the work that's in Savannah, that we're praying for those who are in Boston and, and planting churches far away from home. Many people have moved there to be a part of, of a great work that's happening in Boston. Pray for people who are living in places like Honduras and the Dominican and even the Middle East like Jordan and Sarah Cruz are and so I, I just wanna say here today, in just a moment I'm gonna ask Ben if he will just close out this time together in prayer. But I wanna just say to, to us as a church that as the band comes out today and they uh, lead us through this last song, this, this last song where we have just a little bit more time together here to continue to worship God, that maybe we could be people of prayer who, who with great intentionality this morning, without leaving here and doing it later, but this morning, just getting on our knees before God and praying, praying for Beirut, praying for Dominican, praying for uh, Honduras, praying for Boston, praying for Savannah, praying for Madison, Florida, praying for the missionaries that have gone out to do this great work. Because Crosspoint, if we're not praying, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so I wanna just encourage every single one of us. There's, there's a lot of us. I know there's not room at the altar for everybody, but what a great place for us to come this morning as we worship during that last song, getting on our faces before God and just spending time with Him, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I wanna ask you if you will just pray for for us, that we would be supportive of you, pray for everyone we've already mentioned, pray for Madison and the work that God's doing there. Just pray for us and then we'll close out our service with worship.
1: Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus the only name that matters, the only name by which we can come near to you. God, all around the world, there are people who are just like us. They've made mistakes. God, they're broken, they're hurting, they're desperate, they're rebellious, God, they're blind. And God, we need you to break through their lives just like you've broken through into our lives. God, with your grace, with your power, with your mercy, God, I pray that you would cause change to happen. God, I pray you would continue to work here in Valdosta. God, work in Madison, work in Savannah, in Boston, all around the world, God. I don't even have to ask you to do it. God, you love people more than we do. So I guess what I really want, God, is for us to see the world the way that you do. And help us not to forget that you have loved us all the while, all the time. And God, that your mission will continue forever until you've gone to the ends of the earth, God. I pray now, God, for those people here, God, in this room, that you would speak to us, that you would move in our hearts with power, God, that you would heal us where we need healing, God, that you would help us where we need help, that you would remind us that we can trust you, that you're faithful, that you're good, that you will never, 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 never fail us. We love you, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.